Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. Valley of Dry Bones. This is a, a passage of scripture that most people know from the book of Ezekiel. They may not know any other passages from that book, but uh, this is one that they recognize. Now, <clears throat> let me do a little bit of uh, background as we uh, come to this particular chapter, chapter 37. You remember we've talked about Ezekiel receiving his call from God and how that he began at, as he prophesied. God gave him that responsibility. And he was prophesying about things that were going to happen in Judea. These prophecies make up the first part of the book of Ezekiel as he uh, gives God's word as he had received it from the Lord. And then we find him uh, in this prophecy condemning Israel for their sins. And he prophesied that because of those sins, Jerusalem would fall and the temple would be completely destroyed. Now as we come to today's passage of Scripture, we find that these are behind us. These things have already taken place. And so Ezekiel is prophesying now to those that were the remnant, those that were spared, those that didn't die, who are in captivity. And the message he has now has changed completely. It's a message of deliverance, a message of hope, a message of salvation, and a promise of better days to come. Israel is going to be reestablished, if you will, after the captivity. They are going to go back to their own homeland. Some of the people in exile had looked at the destruction. Of course, they were there as, as uh, things were being destroyed. And uh, they thought, oh, Judah is ruined. It will never be a nation again. And uh, so uh, <clears throat> his prophecy now deals with not only the return to the land of Judah, but the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of the city. So, uh, Ezekiel 37, we're going to begin reading with the first one there as we look at the valley of dry bones, or the valley of bones. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He had me, he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones 
that were very dry, he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to those bones. I will make breath enter you. And I will come uh, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and stood upon their feet, a vast army. Now, as we look at this, this is a vision. This didn't really take place. You understand what I'm saying? It was a vision. It was it was something imagined. It was something that God told him about. It was a picture of something else. It really didn't have anything to do with those bones that Ezekiel could see. But it was about the land of Israel itself and what was going to happen to Judea and the land and the people and how that they were going to live again, as it were, as a nation. Now, the hand of the Lord had taken him to a valley of human bones. Whether this valley really existed or not, we don't know either. Maybe not. But the hand of the Lord means Ezekiel is under the power of God's Spirit. And he's able to receive visions. He's able to receive the message. He's able to receive the understanding that God is giving him. And so he's able to see these bones. And these bones, and we can imagine this, can't we? We can see this in our own mind's eye. Just a valley strong, littered with bones all over the place. And the bones are all scattered about. You don't see maybe even the toes with the foot. And feet bone with leg bone. Or collarbone 
with a hand. They're just all standing. And dry bones mean that they've been lying there in that valley for a long time. This is the vision that Ezekiel has. And they're all right out. They're, they're just completely dead. You look at that and you say, there's no way that bone can live. Right? No way that that can come to life. But notice, Ezekiel didn't say, after God asked him, can these bones live? He didn't say, no way, Lord. <laughs> I think some of us might have just looked at that and said, no way those could be there. But he didn't say that. What did he say? You know, Lord. You see, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Ezekiel to help him prophesy. And then we see the Spirit of the Lord coming on these bones to bring them together. God did this by His Spirit. When something is dead for so long a period of time, I think everyone would give up hope that these could ever live again, right? But God asked, can these come back to life? Now I know that's not His exact words. Can these bones live is what He said. But the Hebrew verb for live really means to come back to life. Can these bones come back to life? As you look at that, these scattered bones, detached bones, impossible. But Ezekiel responds, you alone know. We wouldn't hope for life, but God can. You know, sometimes as we dwell among people and uh, maybe we witness to individuals that needed to be saved, they're lost, and maybe they're completely anti-God, anti-church, anti-us. And we try to witness to them and they're completely and the question might be asked well can these bones live can this individual be saved and we might say oh that individual will never be saved that individual will never come across that they're just so anti-God they're just so against anything religious but never give up God can do anything but fail, right? There's one thing God can't do, He can't fail. And so He can do anything but fail. So Ezekiel is given the task to prophesy to these bones. Notice as Ezekiel is asked, can these bones live? Ezekiel calls God sovereign. 
And you know what that word means? It's the same word as Adonai. It's a plural. Or it could be translated masters. More than one master. So that brings this word like the word Elohim. We talked about Elohim before, I think. But uh, that's the very first name for God in the scriptures. And it's a plural. Remember us talking about that some time ago, a long time ago. And so God is referred to in with several different words as as more than one. Now the scriptures tell us the Lord our God is one Lord. Isn't that what it tells us? But it uses the word Elohim when it describes that one Lord, Adonai. And Adonai is also plural. So two words in that sense, the Lord our God is one Lord, has the idea that there is more than one that make up our God. And we know today that those are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so the very word that's used for God help us to understand the Trinity. Now, the Trinity has power, wisdom, and authority to choose to do anything He wants to do, right? He can do anything, as we said a moment ago. And so, the Spirit of God is prevalent in these verses of Scripture. And so as he prophesies, we hear the rattling of those bones. You heard that in the Scriptures that I read there. The rattling of the bones. Well, these bones are moving. The Spirit of God is moving these bones together. And so now we have toes that are coming to feet. And feet that are coming to ankles, and ankles that are coming to leg bones, and, and uh, uh, hands that are coming to arms and shoulders, and all the bones of the body coming together. And it's impossible for bones to come back together unless God does it. That's the only way that it can happen. And so he's restoring these individuals. Now it happens in stages. It doesn't all happen at one time, does it? And God is going to restore to life what it one time was alive, but is now dead. And what we're looking at here is not the creation of life, but the restoration of life. The attachments of the tendons on the bones. If you know 
know anything about anatomy. You know that this is a part of our bodies. And it takes all of these parts for the body to be whole. And you can't just have the bones and the tendons without skin, can you? And he tells us that the skin came apart. Now, <clears throat> the skeletons are now complete. And they have the tendons and they have the skin. But they're not alive, are they? They're still dead. And so Ezekiel is told to summon the breath from the four winds to bring these corpse back to life. The key word here is a Hebrew word, ruach. Ruach. And it normally means breathe. Talking about our breath. Talking about our breathing in oxygen. And exhaling the carbon dioxide or the other gases. But here, that word is used for wind. And of course, that's what God is going to use the wind for is the breath of life back in these individuals. By the way, the uh, word rearch is used by Ezekiel many times, in fact, it's 40 times. To mean spirit, not wind, not breath, but spirit. So, what happened in the Garden of Eden when God molded and formed man? That was the way Adam was at the very beginning, wasn't he? We're not calling the corpse. He was whole with bones, tendons, and skin, but no breath. And so how did Adam get breath inside him? The Bible says God breathed the breath of life into it. And so that's the picture we see here of these corpses the breath of life is breathed by the Spirit of God, causing them to come back to life. Now remember, these are bones of people that used to live. That's the vision that we have here. People that used to live. And so they come back to life they receive life again. So the Ruarch comes and the bodies start to breathe. Now let's look at verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. You see, that was what the people of captivity, 
those that went down, those that have survived the ordeal of the capture of the land. Many of them have died. You remember we talked about last week, uh, three different ways the people died as Babylon came and conquered the land of Judea. But they were looking at themselves as dead. Just like you would look at a bunch of bones that were dried and been there in the valley for a long time. And they would not have thought that they could live at all. They would have not thought that they could have been a nation again. They had no hope. Now the Israelites were, as it were, prisoners in the land of Babylon. They weren't prisoners like an individual being locked up in jail. And they weren't even prisoners like the uh, Israelites in the land of Egypt where they were slaves, remember? They weren't. They were able to mix in with the commerce of Babylon and have a prominent place on it, go about life like we go about life, you might say. They weren't prisoners. But any thought about going back to the land of Israel, there was nothing there. Why would they want to go back? The walls were all torn down. The temple had been destroyed. We're looking at the rebuilding of the temple in my uh, morning message in uh, uh, Habakkuk. But as we think about these bones coming together, they were to understand this was the restoration of the land of Israel. These bones are the people of Israel. The people were saying, our bones are dead. There's no way we can live. Now let's go on in, uh, from verse 12 through 15. God said to Ezekiel, Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. Now, notice the idea of a grave. You see, God was picturing them in Babylon as being in a grave. Not able to do much. Certainly not as far as the land of Israel was concerned. Not being a nation. And when an individual is in a grave, 
there's not much hope of escape for that individual at hand. Now, as we think of a grave today, we think of the resurrection, right? That the Lord is going to come again and that the graves are going to be opened. Is that what the Bible says? The graves are going to be opened. And God is going to restore us, so to speak, to the place He wants us to be. It's going to be greater than the restoration of the Israelites back to their own land. We're going to be restored to heavenly existence, aren't we? To live with the Lord forever. So, as we think about the graves of of uh, these people being opened, uh, it's like the graves being opened for us when we are resurrected and we go back to be with the Lord. We're resurrected to new life. Now, God has power to save his people. That's what he's telling us. God had already done a similar miracle, we might call it, in the past for the Israelites when they were in Egyptian bondage. They were in a foreign land. And he was bringing them out to go to the promised land. Well, this is the same thing that's happening here, isn't it? They're going back to the promised land. This is the land that God had promised them. They weren't in that land. They were in Babylon. They were in the Euphrates, uh, Tigris, Euphrates River Valleys, a long ways from Israel. But God still looked at the land of Israel as the promised land. This is the land God had promised them, and He was going to bring them back. And so this is going to be another exodus, if you will taking the people out of the foreign land and bringing them to the land that he had promised. And God will do this because he wants his people to know that he is the Lord God of the patriarchs and of the covenant of Moses. When God saves his people, he will do two things. He will breathe unto the people his spirit. If the people have the spirit of God in them, they will truly live. The verb live here refers to spiritual life, not physical life. Spiritual life. And that's more important than physical life. Now, you have to have physical life in order for you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and have spiritual life. But spiritual life is more important than even physical life. And God concludes by saying again the third time, by the way, Bible numerics is an important step. Sevens. Sixteens, threes, 
different numbers in the Bible have a significance. But for the third time, he's saying, I'm doing this to show the Jewish people that he, their God, is truly God. Now, I think I've mentioned before that as the Israelites went into captivity in God, they went in as a group of people who worshiped all sorts of gods. You remember us talking about that? The Baals, the Astros, the different gods and goddesses that uh, were in the land when the Israelites came there. And they had adopted some of these gods and goddesses as theirs. Not exclusively. What they were saying was that God is one God and these gods are gods of different things. And, and so we need a multitude of gods for everything to work in harmony, for everything to be like it needs to be. And so they would pray to Baal for him to give them good crops for him to give them many livestock because they thought Baal had control over fertility and prayed to different gods for different things. You know, that's much like people do today. People look at different things as where they need to go to get their wants and even their needs satisfied. So, for the third time, God is saying to the Israelites, I am truly God. And as the Israelites come back from captivity, well, even as they're in captivity in Babylon, uh, they they weren't bowing down to false gods, even the false gods in Babylon, which were different than the false gods they had left in the land of Israel. And they never again, as a whole, bowed down to these false gods. This captivity cured them of their idolatry. Now let us look at the conclusion in the vision, the bones symbolize the house of Israel in captivity, the dead, and not alive. And like unburied bones or corpses in a closed grave, these two pictures are given. The people were dead. The land of Israel was dead. There was no Israel at that time. Now some of you can remember in your lifetime when there was no Israel in our world. God, you remember? When Israel became a nation? 1948, am I right? Was that the right? We have to be ancient in order for us to remember that. But some of us do. And so the Israelites in, in 
And at that moment, they thought they thought all hope was gone. And they would never again return to Judea. And so they just mixed and mingled with the people in Babylon and uh, took up lifestyles there. And some of them never came back to Israel. Now, as we see, the exodus, if you want to call it that, from Babylon, we'll see that only a portion of the people that had been taken into captivity went back to the land of Israel. But, uh, and, and by the way, the book of Ruth, Esther, the book of Esther is about the people that didn't go back to Israel. But some of these were still worshiping God, weren't they? And uh, God was blessing them in their lives and the things that they were doing. But um, the mercy of God is on full display as we talk about the valley of dry bones. And God is not going to destroy his people completely. But he's going to save a remnant and they're going to go back to the land that was their forefathers. And they're going to establish again the nation of Israel. It's going to happen. And it does. And it talks about both physical restoration and spiritual restoration. And as I mentioned, as we were talking about this a moment ago, the spiritual res uh, resurrection, the spiritual restoration is more important than the physical. But the power of God and God's grace is on display as we see this transpire, as we see these things happen as God had promised. Okay, go ahead. This vision, this vision that you need to bones, they're dead. Yes. Tied up. Yes. Now, is God implying somewhere here that the Israelites had lost their faith in him? Or were they separated from him? Because when you die, you actually lose your they all go back to heaven. Right. God is saying that these people had no nation. No nation. No nation. This is the picture we have. And God is going to restore that nation. And, and they were in Babylonian captivity with no hope of being restored to their land. And so this is the big picture we get here. Yes, we, we, can, we can see it as being uh, a spiritual restoration as well as the people believe God, as the people worship God, as the people serve God, and uh, much like salvation that we think about in uh, our need today for the people to be saved. And uh, so uh, both of those are uh, on display here. But the physical restoration is the thing that uh, is depicted with the 
body coming back to life. It's a nation coming back to life. But they need to worship the one true God, and this is what God is wanting out here for them. So our God is the source of life. He makes us alive physically. Our life comes from God. Everybody's does. But even more important, spiritual life comes from God. And all people need spiritual life. If they don't have it, God has given us as a witness to those that don't know it, that they might have spiritual life. Our Father, we thank you tonight uh, today for uh, the blessings of your word. I pray that you help us that we ponder these things, that we think about them, and that we will be doing the things that are needed in our lives to serve you, because we do have life, we do have spiritual life. And we thank you for your blessings today upon our church. And help us to think about the needs of others as we go about our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541. Email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.